it's great to be with you today. Uh, I actually am, I uh, count it a great honor always to be with you. And I, I just, as I was looking around and greeting some folks this morning, I recognize there's a little extra color on everybody today. It's because uh, something happened yesterday. It was called Sunshine. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Washingtonians don't really not familiar with that, but it's, it's that thing in the sky that shines every once in a while. So um, I was out in it and doing yard work and having a great time. I hope you were too. Um, it's great to be with you today. Why don't you grab your notes out of your handout, and you will see that we are jumping into a new series today. The series is called, that's, uh, that's what it's called, uh, called. It's a little awkward to say uh, you know, just vocalize, but that's it. It's called, and, and the idea is this, that if you've been on this journey with us at Overlake, you know that we believe that God is moving and he's present and he's active, that he is healing and saving and transforming lives uh, every bit as much today as he was back in the time of the New Testament. So when you open your Bible and you read through the book of Acts and you see all of these incredible ways that God was intersecting and transforming lives, you need to understand we believe and we actually give testimony to the fact that that is happening today. It's so exciting to see how that all uh, unfolds in the, the way in which God brings his kingdom into this here and now. Well, this series is about the, the follower of Jesus in terms of how we intersect with God's call over our lives. And there are three main ways that the follower of Jesus, uh, you know, interacts with his call. The first is we listen to his call. The second is we respond to his call. And the third is we remain in his call. And so this series, we're going to be taking a look at all three of those aspects. Today, we're talking about what listening to God's call is all about. And as I begin, I need to apologize on the front end and because I'm going to tell you a, a love story. And this is, a, it's a true story. This was um, the story of when my wife Jody and I first started dating 24 years ago. Right, 24 years, I know, that's, that's pretty incredible. I, she was two, I was four. Uh, no, no, no. Um, so, so when we first started dating, um, we, we were just head over heels in love with one another. And I know many of you have the same, similar kind of story. But I mean, it was like, it was moony, sappy, nauseating kind of something to witness, I'm sure. And, and uh, you know, it just was one of the, we were like, we were like high on our love. Like kids sucking helium, singing Justin Bieber tunes. Uh, it was, I'm sure, annoying for everyone around us right? And, and she was living about an hour and a half away. She was still finishing university, and I was doing ministry about an hour and a half north, and so much of our relationship was spent on the phone. And this was pre-cell phone technology, so we were anchored on those landlines with a cord that actually plugged into a wall. You don't know what those are, but you can Google it. And, uh, and, and we would be on the phone for hours, and hours and just talking about everything or nothing at all and and you know would not be uncommon for for the conversation to go into the wee hours of the morning and and we'd be like oh babe I'm so tired oh I know me too but I don't want to hang up I know me either you know okay but we got it we're so tired okay I got it let's hang up on the count of three okay one two three 
you didn't hang up. And I'd be like, I know you didn't hang up. Like, I can't. I just want to be on the phone with you till we fall asleep. Oh, you're so sweet, you know. And so I know some of you are, are like, I, I just threw up a little bit in my mouth right now. <laughs> Track with me here. Because we were so head over heels in love, it was nothing for me to want to anticipate her desires and to try to respond to those desires. In fact, one night, after spending most of the night on the phone with her, I got in my car, I drove an hour and a half down to where she was, I, I stopped by Starbucks, got her favorite coffee drink. I was waiting outside of her condo when she came out to go to class that day. I had her favorite drink there for her. And she was like, oh, you're so nice. And she kissed me there in the street, smelling of country green apple bath and body works lotion. <laughs> and I just floated my way home. Right? It just was so much fun because I was so head over heels for her. If she would be like, Babe, could you drive down to San Diego this afternoon? I'd be like, I'm there. She's like, hey, my friends and I need help moving out of this condo to move into this townhouse. I'm like, babe, I'm there. I got it. Uh, sweetheart, would you fetch the moon for me by Tuesday afternoon? I'd be like, babe, I'm on it, you know, uh, at NASA, whatever. You're like, let's figure this out. I just was so in love that to listen to her needs or her desires and to respond to them was just pure joy. And the reason why I start with all of this is because I wonder if something might change in our spiritual lives if we thought about God's call for us in that kind of a framework. You see, the psalmist says this. He says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. And so this series really is about our heart's posture before the Lord. Right? We, we want to want to listen to God. We want to want to hear from him and to walk with him and to be with him. Because we know that if we can be with God, then all things are possible. The Apostle Paul writes that. He says, it's because of the Lord who gives me strength that I am able for anything. And that's what we want to live in listening to his call. And so it starts with active listening on our part. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I do want you to know that this is a little bit unnatural for us. We don't naturally want to be good listeners. We naturally want to be good talkers. We step into that role all the time where we're naturally moving into talk mode. If you look at the syllabus of university campuses all across America, you'll see all kinds of coursework about public speaking, about speech, about communication. You'll see no coursework on listening. It's just not there. Uh, Stephen Covey who wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he says, most people listen not with the intent to understand, but with the intent to reply. We care more about replying in a witty, quippy, or intelligent manner than we do about actually listening and understanding the heart of the one communicating to us. So we talk about this heart posture before the Lord. We want to understand the heart of God. We want to listen to his heart and understand it. And some of you are here and you're like, okay, Mike, I'm ready to listen. I just don't even know what I'm listening for. 
Like, I don't know what I'm listening to. And, and that's a great question. And many followers of Jesus would, would kind of stumble with an answer. We would say, yeah, what is that? That, that, that thing that we're listening for? It's, it's like this or it's a little like this. And we, we find that our words sort of fail us in answering that question. It's a little bit like, I don't know if you remember this, in the 90s they had this thing called the magic eye. The magic eye, and these were posters or pictures that had this, this kind of a visual, uh, like uh, it was just a bunch of colors typically on a, on a poster, but there was a hidden image inside of it. Raise your hand if you remember these things. Does anyone? Yeah, so, so many of us. And you know, it's so funny because I seem to have the friends who could look at a poster for a second and see the hidden image. They, they could just know instantly what was buried inside this thing. And it just made me feel... I don't know, uh, you know, incompetent, right? Like I was uh, incomplete as a human. I'd stand there and I'd look at this thing and I'm like, ah, I just see, you know, colors. And they're like, well, well Mike, here's what you got to do. Look through the poster. Look through. You know, you know, Mike, it might help if you cross your eyes just a little bit. Just cross your eyes. You know, stand on one leg and cross your eyes and look through the poster. And hiccup, that helps if you hiccup at the, you know, and I would just would feel so ridiculous, I couldn't see, so then I would just make, oh yeah, yeah, I see it. You know, I just pretend, like, oh yeah, sure, it's a, a chipmunk with a sword fighting a librarian, you know, or whatever uh, kind of image that I could come up with, and, 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 and just fake it, because I didn't know how to make this thing work, and, and some of us are in that kind of a place. And I've done a bit of work through the years about what it looks like to posture ourselves in order to hear God, in order to, to be able to receive what it is that God has for us. In fact, the first four chapters of my book, Glorious Mess, are all about what this looks like. Today, I just want to give you a teaser of what that is. And if you're filling in the blanks, this is the first one, and it's most important. The idea is that God's call is for his glory and for your flourishing. It's for his glory, and it's for your best. There's this beautiful conjunction of you coming most fully alive and God receiving his glory every single time God calls. Frederick Buechner says this. He says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And you think about that, and so, of course, by definition, the followers of Jesus are going to want to listen to his call. We're going to want to receive his call. The next fill-in is this. We listen to God's call in our daily lives. In our daily lives, within the circumstances that we live in, not after our responsibilities are done, not when the chaos of our daily life subsides, not after this crazy season of life ends and the next peaceful season of life begins. That is an illusion. No, God's call always comes to us right in the midst of our daily lives. And I want to read to you this passage of scripture. This is when Jesus is calling a couple of his disciples to follow him. And we're going to read it from the message paraphrase. It says this. Walking along the beach of Lake Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, later called Peter, and Andrew. They were fishing, throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular work. Jesus said to them, come with me. I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask questions, but simply dropped their nets and followed. Now, when you look at that passage of scripture, here's one thing I want you to notice. 
notice that they were not in church. Notice that they were not on a spiritual retreat. I happen to be a huge fan of both of those things, by the way. But I want you to see where they are. They are in the midst of their regular work. They are elbow deep in sweat and fish guts. And it's right in that moment that the call of Jesus comes and they hear it and they respond to it. And I just want you to understand that's where God's call comes to us. So friends, during this series, what we want to do is introduce you to overlakers who are doing exactly what it is that we're talking about. And I want you to hear from uh, Josh Blay. Josh is on our team. He's a part of our facilities team, and he is a, a listener to God and a responder to it. Uh, would you please welcome Pastor Lynn and Josh as they share with us today? Well, Josh, I have walked with you through a lot of ministry things. It's fun to be on the platform with you. Um, why don't you share a little bit about what God's been doing in you, how you kind of discern listening to him and calling? Yeah. Uh, first, I would like to say, as a facilities member, this is the first time I've been on the stage uh, where I'm not vacuuming. So, <laughs> so praise God, uh, right? Um, so, yeah, I'm so thankful that Jesus has called me to something greater than what I've you know, ever imagined for my life. Uh, my parents, they divorced uh, when I was in high school, and I had kind of built my identity and foundation around them and not around Jesus. I kind of built this identity around being a Christian family and having our stuff together. Uh, when it really started falling apart, that identity left me. And I also was uh, thinking about doing computer science. I, I had this dream. I was going to work for Microsoft. You know, we're in Redmond area, so who doesn't work for Microsoft? Am I right? And I took this class on robotics, and I started coding, and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever done with my life. <laughs> so if you're a coder out there, bless you. We need you in our society today. But I can't do it. Uh, and so I was, I was really lost uh, for direction. But then somebody saw, saw me and saw my potential. They said yes to God. And they saw me, and they were like, that, that man right there, that, that child at the time, I'm still kind of a child, as you can tell, uh, he has potential. And they, they called it out in me. And the next thing I knew is I was interning here at Overlake. I did that for two years. Uh, when, right after I kind of started my internship, I, my small group leader at the time, this is right after I'd graduated, so he was not really my small group leader anymore, but still investing in my life. He comes up to me, and he's like, do you want to go to Africa? And I'm like... Yes, but, I, but it was a scary yes because I didn't, I'd never really traveled that far, and I said yes to that, and it was on that trip and saying yes to God that, that my whole perspective on the world completely changed. God has called us to the poor and the powerless, right? Like it's in Scripture everywhere. You can't read the Bible without seeing that, right? And, um, man, I saw that, and I knew the trajectory of my life was changing, and it all was because I was saying yes to these opportunities, and people were saying yes to, to the, the opportunity to pour into my life. Can you work on being a little more passionate or not? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so share a little bit about specific calling. So here people are inviting you. You're saying yes. You're posturing. What, what have you done like specifically? How did that keep playing out in your life as you've listened? Yeah. I, lo I love this story that God like wrote that I'm about to share. Uh, when I came back from Africa, uh, I really felt passionate. I was like, I'm going to go to India. Like, I know God's calling me to do this. And so I, w I was like, I was gung-ho. And then I find out, like, um, probably about a year later or so, maybe not quite a year, that the SM team that I'm interning for is going on a trip to India, right? And so it was this amazing moment where I was like, 
I'm like, God, you provide the opportunity and the passion and the desire. And I was, and I signed up and I was like, I'm going, it's awesome. And so I signed up to prepare for it, for this class called Encountering the World of Islam. I knew there was lots of Muslim people in India and I knew I was going to encounter them. So I thought I should prepare myself for that. And halfway through that, that class, the India trip is canceled. I'm like, what? What is going on here? I was really confused because, you know, I felt called to go to India. God gives this opportunity, and suddenly he takes it away. But that class brought me to two really amazing opportunities. The first one was I got introduced to my mentor who's just poured passionately into my life and, and really helped me walk through some hard things, Mark uh, Bauman. And then the second thing was I heard about what was happening overseas with refugees. And if, if you're familiar, a couple years back, you would have seen headlines every week. It was just, there was things going on. People were dying. Millions of people were fleeing for their lives. And I was sitting in, you know, just Redmond, Washington, in one of the most, sh- like, nicest places in the world, sheltered places. And I knew I had to do something because there's people suffering and, and, and don't know about Jesus. Mm. And so uh, I, I go and talk to Lynn. And if you've ever talked to Lynn, you know that's a dangerous thing to do because your life is about to change. Uh, Lynn is awesome, and she sends out a bunch of emails, and about two weeks later, we hear nothing back, and, I'm all, and then I'm, I'm confused still, uh, but we get together and we pray, and prayer is powerful, and we pray that God will give us an opportunity, and I kid you not, two hours later, she gets an email, and the next thing I know is I have my opportunity to go to Germany, and I'm on a plane going to Germany, and of course, I'm, I'm walking alongside of a bunch of people making sure this is what God wants me to do, but I do it, and I get to Germany, and I meet the most amazing, beautiful people from the most amazing, beautiful culture, I, you know, and it was an incredible experience. We got to, to I got to baptize and be part of the baptism, like 14 people uh, coming from Muslim background to Christian belief, and it, we planted a church there, and it was crazy, and I'm like, God, I'm a child, how are you using me? But he's like, Josh, this is my story mm. that I'm writing in your life. Mm. Mm. Josh, that was so powerful. I And I'm hearing the theme, like God's using people to prompt to encourage to affirm in this whole story so now that you've had these collection of experiences in a very short time what do you what do you feel like God's trajectory for you is what is it that you're being called to for the future when I got back I was beautifully broken Um, my whole perspective on everything like it was like Africa wrecked me and then working with refugees completely destroyed me I was I was in a good way, in a good though, way, right? in a good way, yeah, yeah. in a hard way, <laughs> in a good way. It was like the good destroying. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I came back, and um, I started. So I felt like called to do something. So I started this company called Tees for Refugees. Uh, it went really well. It was great. I felt called to go back to school, so I went back to school, and then I needed money because I, w- I can't live without it. Uh, so I needed some way to pay for school. So I picked up full time work here on the facility team, which has been a, the hugest blessing, and. Um, I, I couldn't do all three of those things at once, so I had to put this, this company on the back burner. Uh, but that, that wasn't the end of that story because God used that to write an article about me in the, in the school new, newspaper at, at Northwest University. And uh, one of the people that leads the master pro- program at um, Northwest saw, th- saw the article about my company and was like, hey, you would totally love our program in international community development. So I go in for just an interview. I'm chewing gum. Never chew gum when you go in for an interview. It's a bad thing. I had to put it in my pocket when she was turned around. And it ruined those pants permanently. <laughs> uh, praise God. Okay. Um, anyway, the next thing I know is I'm, I'm starting grad school, right? Praise God. I had, no, I had no plans to do that. I had, I had no plans to go to Germany and work with refugees. I had no, you know, no, none of these plans. But God used people to speak into my life 
and he poured into my life, and he told me, you just got to say yes and trust me in this. And then I got to go to India, actually, because it turns out my mentor leads trips to India, and he's gone to India over 30 times or so. So I got to go to India, and it's just, it was so cool. And now I get to lead a trip to Germany uh, to work with refugees through Overlake. So praise God. Yeah. Josh, thank you. Let's thank him. Well, Josh, thank you for sharing with us. It's so fun to hear your story and see your passion. And um, the, the, the idea is that when God is calling us and we're listening, that it's an adventure that un unravels before us and that we get to kind of continue to pursue his unfolding call. So thank you, Josh. You know, one of the parts of Josh's story he and I talked about is how there are different people along the way. He mentioned um, his uh, pastor, student ministries, Pastor Rory, had initially encouraged him. And then it was his small group leader, Eric, who had, uh, again, encouraged him. And these guys were listening to God and then kind of prompting in Josh's life. And then Mark Bauman, again, with India. I, I just bring that up because... That is how God uses his church, right? He, he, he has this idea that he calls a people to himself, a family to himself, and then he speaks to and he calls his church to be invested in one another's lives and to, and to make a beautiful expression of God's will in this world. And so that actually brings us to the next fill-in, and that is the church is designed to listen to God. The church is actually, the DNA, the blueprint of the church is that it's designed to listen to God and to be responsive to his call. Ephesians 3, 10 through 12, the Apostle Paul's writing, he says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So kind of look at that passage for just a moment, and you'll see that the idea is we can come boldly and confidently into God's presence because of who? Because of Jesus. And so we talk about this all the time. It's because of the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. He paid the penalty for sin. He removes our sin, our shame from us. As far as the east is from the west, uh, he drops it in the deepest ocean. Though our sins are scarlet, now we are made white as snow, right? Like all of these things are accomplished through what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary. And so that's why he's at the very center. He's at the foundation of all that we go after as a church. So it's because of Jesus. Jesus, that we are his church and we can come boldly and confidently before the throne. We receive his grace. We receive his wisdom. And then look at that first line. It's now we understand God's purpose in all this. God's eternal purpose in all of this is what? So that he would use his church in order to display his wisdom in its rich variety, right? There's this variety, this beauty of the kingdom of God that, ex that spans, you know, all around the world, so all tongues, all tribes, all nations, this beautiful, rich variety of God's wisdom now displayed to the world through whom? Through the church, right? This is his call on his church. So if, if you're a part of Overlake or even if you're just a Jesus follower, you're a part of the church universal, right? And so that is his plan for us. Uh, the professor, or excuse me, the president of Fuller Theological Seminary, his name's Mark Laberton, he says this, the people of God, that's us, by the power of the Holy Spirit are meant to be, look at this, the hope of the world, 
the model for all humanity and for the apologetic, that means the living defense of the faith, that God is present and that God's loving purposes will come to pass. Isn't that beautiful? That's his call for us. So the church is designed to listen to God's call. That's why it's so important for us as a church that we really get our arms around what it looks like to listen to and be ready to respond to God's call. I've shared a few times before that in the year 2000, God gave me an opportunity to travel for the first time to Kenya. Uh, we were doing work over in Katali at the time, and, and it was that time where God did. He broke my heart. I was a really young dad. My, my daughter was just born, so I had an infant daughter at home, and, and I was over there and, and got into these communities where we're doing ministry, and for the first time, I was meeting street kids. Little kids living on the streets, these vulnerable kids, they, they had no place to go. They're scavenging for food. They're, they're riddled with abuse, you know, and, and it, just, it just was such an incredibly devastating paradigm to experience. I just had no exposure to it before that trip. And, and so I, I came back from that trip and, and was processing with a bunch of the guys that I was serving Jesus with at the time. And a couple of, of those folks were Dan and Kathleen Hamer. We're serving together down in Southern California. And so through that experience, somehow uh, a, a picture of me serving with street kids made its way onto Dan and Kathleen's refrigerator uh, in their home. And so they began to start praying about it. And, and God kind of took them on their own journey with all of that. And I'd love for you to hear from Pastor Dan about his journey. Dan, why don't you come and share with us. And could you guys, Dan, well, please welcome Dan. Dan is uh, such a, a phenomenal leader for us here. So, Dan, come and share with us. Thanks. Thank you, Mike. Um, since today's message is about listening, I kind of feel like Mike invited me up here because I feel like I'm the poster child for one of those people that tries really hard to listen for God, but I don't recognize it until later when I gain some perspective and look back on things. So and I sus would suspect that a lot of you feel that same way about it. So um, many of you know that I've been involved in the Katali Project, um, and that is a, a program that we launched in the fall back here at Overlake. And the idea behind it is that we're working with these streets children that Mike talked about. We're trying to reintegrate them into families, either their family or extended family or someone from their community. And um, we've been partnering with an organization in another Kenyan city over the last six or eight years, and we've been able to successfully reintegrate almost 2,000 kids off the streets and back into families. And so the Katali Project is about replicating that same program in the city of Katali, which is a, a massive street kid problem. So, and I'm here this morning to share with you that during this 15 year process that I've been on uh, this journey, that there were a lot of times during that time that I kept feeling like I was missing God's, God's voice. I, I was missing uh, what he had planned here. So ever since our family first went to Kenya 15 years ago, we've been pretty much obsessed with these children that we found on the streets. Um, the, the, the idea of these kids living alone, uh, begging for food, being beaten and brutalized was, was just, it broke our hearts. 
And, and this broken heart condition, our, our friend refers to it as being gloriously ruined. And we were clearly ruined um, for these kids and the life that they lived. And as we dug in to learn more and more about street kids in Kenya and around the world and even in our own home communities here in America, it, it ruined us. And the, and the glorious part, um, I, you know, there were many parts of this journey that, that haven't felt real glorious along the way. And, and, but I think when we finally landed on this concept of reintegration, begin to get a glimpse of, of, of the glory that could be had in this whole process. And, and that reintegration is the heart of the Katali project. So and we knew going into this that our challenge was to serve and not to solve, that we needed to leave the solving to God. Um, and, and because of that, we knew that we were going to have to do a lot of listening to figure out how that was going to happen. And one of the first things we did is that we, uh, we knew that we needed to listen to the Kenyans. We needed to listen to the pastors there. We, need to listen, we needed to listen to the other programs that were trying to help street kids. We needed to listen to the street kids themselves to, to see what we could do to help. Um, and, and it became clear to us that God often speaks through people. Uh, as much as I would have loved to have had a burning bush or a lightning bolt, in those early days, it never happened that way. It, it was through people that we were able to get glimpses each day as to how this program could come about. Um, we, we had some wild ideas back in those early days. We, we, we were, you know, considering doing things that, that a lot of other wonderful people were doing, well-meaning people, um, and they seemed like good ideas at the time, but God kept closing doors on us. And um, we just kept stepping forward in obedience, trying to listen to what he had for us. And, and during that whole time, God never wasted any of this journey. Uh, he didn't waste the time that we spent working with pastors and trying to change the, the stigma that went along with street kids by working with the pastors to educate their con congregations about caring for these kids. Uh, we didn't waste any time in the development, the community development work that we did in trying to bring water and agricultural training to these communities to try and prevent kids from coming to the streets in the first place. We didn't waste any of our time that we spent training, uh, doing trauma-informed care training for uh, parents and caregivers and, and educating pastors and other programs to that whole concept. Um, I, I'm not sure why it took us so long, but because all along God had made it clear that his plan was for these kids to be in families. And so as, as we continued to go down that path, God made it clear that not only that was his plan, but that he actually had families for each of these children. And so um, we, we took it upon ourselves to um, figure out how we could make that happen, and we partnered with this group that had, had been on a similar journey with us of listening to God for how we might go ahead and, and care for these children. Um, and, and God's making it abundantly clear that he's ready for us to step into this next phase in Katali. Um, I, I feel like we're, we're, we're finally arriving to, to, to be able to see the fruits of what we've been journeying for so long on um, Overlake, you, you guys responded last fall to the, um, 
request that we had, the campaign that we had for financial support. And, and I'm proud to tell you that, that we are within 30 days of opening up in Katali. Um, we have... We, we, we recently completed the hiring of the last remaining 35 employees that will work um, in the program. They're all Kenyans. And, and that was after interviewing 300 candidates. So we clearly were able to get the, 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 the best that's available. Um, and um, God didn't want to wait until we opened the doors in another month to start using us. We had some staff in town uh, two weeks ago, and the police decided to round up 44 of the street kids and throw them into the adult prison. And if you will, the adult prison is just as horrible as you can imagine it. But because our staff was in town doing preliminary work on getting open, God used them to help get these kids released from prison, placed into other programs where they're safe until we can begin the reintegration process for those kids. And as a result of that whole process, because the county needed our help in dealing with all of these children, they granted us the permit that they had been withholding from us that could have potentially delayed our July 1st opening. So, so God knew all along the work that he had for us to do, and I wish I had been a better listener and could have figured this out sooner, but I feel like we are here now and, and every step of the way uh, as I look back, God has been there and faithful, and I know that he'll be with us as we go forward. So I thank you for, for, for the, the gifts that you've made and continue to make for the monthly support. Um, I am so grateful to be a part of a church that wants to listen to God's call to care for these children that are 10,000 miles away. Um, and I consider it just a true privilege to serve with you as we serve these children. So thank you. Thank you, Dan, and uh, I, I want you guys to know, so Dan and I have been serving together for over 20 years now, and it has been a real joy, and, and uh, it's, it's great to be one of your friends, Dan, but I have to say, I, there's not a time that I don't interact with Dan where I don't come away feeling challenged or having learned something, so I really am blessed. And as you think about the way in which we've shared stories here, you know, you, you think, oh, okay, I've heard from Josh, and Josh was, uh, you know, passionate about maybe going to the refugee you know, serving him with refugees, and here's Dan, he's passionate about caring for street kids, and it seems like, you know, they're sort of all over the map here. That actually might kind of be the point, because as an individual, you are on a faith journey with Jesus, and he knows exactly who you are, and he knows exactly how you're wired and shaped. He knows exactly what it is that he wants to call you into and release you Toward. And so you need to understand that there is an individual aspect of this as well. Yes, there's the church aspect, and God calls his church to move in powerful ways, but there's an individual aspect as well. So if you're filling in the blanks, this last one is, as individuals, we position ourselves to listen to God. It's a posture of our heart that we, that we embrace individually before the Lord. 
And I want to be really clear. Like, I know there are people who do hear from God in an actual, audible way. And I celebrate that. When I hear their stories, I, I'm amazed at that, that there's such a clarity and there's such an understanding. Oh, this is Jesus calling me into something, and I love that. For me, I just want you to know, I've been, I've been serving Jesus for 30-ish years now of my life. 30-ish, that's not even worth 30-some years, better. Um, but the idea is that, that I just want you to know, I've never in an audible way, at least to my recollection, I've never audibly heard the voice of the Lord. Now, I've often heard God, and I say that in quotes because I would describe it more as a nudging or a prompting. I would, I would describe it more as uh, a, a thought that kind of gets implanted and it's a beautiful kingdom, selfless kind of a thought. And it's so beautiful and it's so kingdom and it's so selfless that I have to think, you know what, I didn't come up with that. Because when I come up with ideas, there's often a selfish angle. There's often a, an angle which benefits self or, oh, this is two birds with one stone or, oh, this might look good on a resume, kind of, not really, but I, there's just, there's all kinds of things that, that are mixed motives that go into Mike Howerton thoughts, but there's this other, you know, when thoughts come in that are just really kingdom and really focused on glorifying the Lord, that I go, oh, that's so beautiful. Jesus, is that you? leading me here? Is that you calling me this direction? You know, there's a story in, uh, it's in 1 Samuel, and it's about the young prophet Samuel. He's, you might recall this story that he's actually living in the temple with Eli. Eli is, is his, his caretaker, is his guardian, and Eli is this older priest. He, he's really kind of at the end of his life, and Samuel, one night, they're, they're you know, kind of calling it a night, and Samuel's laying down for bed, and all of a sudden, he hears his name called, Samuel, Samuel. So he thinks it's Eli. So he runs into where Eli's sleeping. He says, yes, Eli, can I serve you? And Eli said, hey, I didn't call you. This is a paraphrase, by the way. And then uh, Samuel goes back to bed. And again, you know, Samuel, Samuel. So he runs in. He sees, Eli, did you call me? And, and Eli says, no, go back to bed. So this happens three times that Samuel hears somebody call, call his name. And then finally, Eli realizes, you know what, this might be the Lord. So he coaches Samuel on what to say. He says, go back to bed. Here's what you say. And let's pick it up right there. Here's the passage. 1 Samuel 3.10. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, and this is what Eli coached him to say, speak for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. Samuel, Samuel, and what Eli had coached him to say, speak, for your servant is listening. That's actually the action item that I'd like to give all of us this morning, is that we would pray that kind of prayer, a Samuel kind of a prayer to the Lord today, that we would say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, you might already know this, but science has now proven that we have the ability as humans to tune out different frequencies. That we can actually become deaf to different voices. Do you know this? 
Like they've actually kind of tested, you know, audiologists can like put tests on and they can, they figured out now that some men as they age, they, they have literally become deaf to the pitch of their wife's voice. <laughs> they just can't hear it. You know this, right? Or, um, you know, there are some moms that, that they just, they have the ability, maybe when they're on their phone, to just tune out the pitch of their little kiddos, you know, calling out to them or something. Here's where I see it in my home that my children have become deaf to my voice. They just, it's just white noise to them. And it wasn't always the case. Like in their elementary school, it was like I could just call out, you know, across the playground, you know, hey, buddy. And they'd be like, oh, hey, dad. And they'd run over. Now I could be standing right in front of them and saying, hey, hey, buddy, you know, hey, hey. Uh, it's just white noise at that point. It happened when they turned 13, by the way. Just, just sort of that era, and, and uh, it's just that ability to tune out their parents. And it's so ironic, too, because like Jody and I will be at the school, maybe, and a coach will come up to us, or a teacher, and they'll say something like, oh my goodness, your child is such a delight to have in our, our class. Hey, they, they are so, they're such an active listener, and they're just so like ready to learn, and they're so coachable. And Jody and I will be like, you got the wrong kid. And they'll be like, no, it says Howerton right here, you know. Uh, uh, it, that, it, we're, you know it's just so crazy because they've just learned to tune out our voice. Now, here's the question, and I kind of just want to let this go with us over the course of the week. Have you tuned out the voice of the Lord? Have you just figured that, you know what, you're good on your own? You got your own plans, you got your own agenda, you got your own things, and it's just, you know what, I don't need that call. Have you just tuned it out? Because today would be a great day to just tune in. Today would be a great day to, to speak that prayer that Samuel prayed. Speak, for your servant is listening. And, and pray it with a willing heart. A humble heart, a heart to, to listen, and then a heart to take that next step, a heart to see where the pathway goes. You know, as we talk about God calling his church, I want to give us one really clear, practical next step today. And so I, I really would ask for everyone to do me this favor. Would you grab this card that says Summer of Connection that was in the handout? Can I get everyone to grab that card right now and just take a look at it? Because we talked about this last summer, and this actually worked really well, so we want to do it again. What's going to happen is that starting on July 1st, for 10 weeks in the summer, Overlake is going to gather together. We're going to have one service. It's going to happen at 10 a.m. Not this week, not next week, not the week after, but starting on July 1st, we're going to do uh, one service at 10 a.m. But when we do that, there's some great benefits. It's like really exciting. We get the whole church family together. But here's the downside. Well, it's not downside. It's just the reality that in our children's ministry, they have Easter-sized numbers in our, in our children's ministry, our kid town ministry. It just gets flooded in a beautiful way. It's a beautiful, beautiful problem to solve. But what it means is we need a couple hundred more leaders to plug into our, to our youth ministry, our, our children's ministry, rather, Kid Town. And so that's what this card is. And so if you take a look at it, you'll notice it has some information for you to fill out. This would be your registration form to serve. And then it, there's, um, 
There are two dates we're asking people to serve, one time in July, one time in August. That way we get the whole summer covered. We make sure that we don't turn any child or any family away from our ministry. And this is something that we really feel like God is calling the church. Talked about how God calls the church. This is a great next step that God can call his church into. And so I really want to encourage you. The greatest thing about this, here it is, is that... um, This is your registration form. So this is all the work you need to do in order to to prepare for this. So you fill this out and you turn it in. The Kid Town table will be in the hallway. You drop it off. They'll give you a t-shirt. They'll give you your packet. And that's it. There are no additional trainings. There's no additional meetings. You just show up on your dates with a smile and you are good to go. In other words, we set the bar as low as possible. So you could just kind of fall into obedience to God on this one. It'll be so great. And for those of you who are, have already served in Kidtown, I want to thank you for that. That means that you've already had a background check done, that you're already cleared. And so you're, like, you're ready to go, good to go. So we're excited about uh, seeing how the church can respond. So please go ahead and fill this out again. And, and on the way out, you can drop that by the table. I, I want to close by allowing us to pray that kind of a prayer that Samuel prayed. So I want, you to, I want you just to hear me sort of say that this is the posture that we want to go after as his church. We want to be the kind of church that stands with open arms and an open heart before the Lord. Remember that analogy we started with? Even that open heart, head over heels, kind of my joy is to do your desire kind of a posture. And it's in that posture that we pray, speak, for your servant is listening. Why don't you bow your heads and let's pray together. Jesus, we do come before you this morning and we recognize how good it is to be loved by you, graced by you. You have forgiven us and you have cleansed us. And now, Lord Jesus, you're calling us and you're calling us into something that's beautiful, something that's for your glory, something that's for our best, our flourishing. And so, Jesus, what we want to do is we want to take seriously this idea that you are actively calling us. We want to be actively listening to you. And so would you help us? Would you give us the courage? Would you allow us to pray Samuel's prayer today that we would just with sincerity of heart before you, our living Lord, say these words, speak, Lord for your servant is listening. We're listening, Jesus. We're so thankful that you are involved in our daily lives. We're so thankful that you have something in store for us, an adventure to journey with you on. We ask that you would lead us and that you would give us the courage to follow. We pray it all in your name. Amen.